Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. A uh, special Wednesday welcome to you all. Uh, we're doing our continuing coverage here of Hurricane Florence. And uh, another day of tracking Florence. And uh, finally, we're able to start to see uh, some uh, some consecutive model runs come in, and we'll go over that here in just a little bit. But we thank you for watching tonight. Uh, if you're living in the North South Carolina, we ask you if you will please share this with your friends and family on your timelines. Uh, that way, they are able to uh, also get this latest information for Hurricane Florence. Another busy day with our coastal areas preparing for uh, a landfall that should be happening probably in the next 24 to 36 hours. Uh, along the North and South Carolina coast. And then we'll watch those impacts track uh, through the uh, Piedmont areas of North and South Carolina and eventually into the mountains of South Carolina and North Carolina. So again, we have with us a uh, Shay Gibson and Jared Smith who are in Charleston, South Carolina. We have Chris Jackson on with us from Columbia, South Carolina. And again, I'm Scotty Powell here in the foothills of North Carolina. So we've got you covered uh, throughout the event. And uh, first of all, let's go off to Jared. Well, before we do that, I'm sorry, this is a live broadcast. So we are monitoring uh, your questions uh, on our Facebook Live. So we will try to get to as many as we can. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to address them all to you. But um, if you don't hear us answer it, just try to ping us again. There's several people who are watching our stream. So the questions kind of go by fast. So if we don't get it the first time, ask it again, and we'll, we'll definitely try to get to it. So with that, I'm going to toss it off to Jared Smith, and Jared's going to give us the 8 o'clock advisory from the National Hurricane Center. Yeah, uh, guys, just one just one thing real quick. Um, the public YouTube link I don't think is pushing anything out. So I hate to say that on air, um, but okay, so – Okay, so that is working. So we're not getting. So right now our simulcast is not going. So for some reason the um, it still says it's waiting for it, which is interesting. So, uh, but that being said, let's talk. Uh, let, I'm I'm gonna fix that. I'm I'm producing tonight too, so I'm gonna fix that. Let's talk uh, the eight o'clock advisory from the Hurricane Center, and um, you know, here. Here is uh, the uh, 8 p.m. advisory from the Hurricane Center, advisory 54A. Uh, so, so it's moving. It's on the move. Northwest at 16. It's making its move on the. Uh, it's making its move on the North Carolina coast with max sustained winds of 115 miles an hour. Might be getting a little sheery. Maybe a little bit of a, a eyewall replacement going on here. Uh, that would be nice. Uh, currently, uh, if for all of you coordinate hounds at home plotting on your old school uh, maps, it's at 31.5.5 north, 73.2 west. Um, and again, this is uh, the wind field is getting large. So, so that's the other thing. The wind field is starting to expand and uh, is now just about 200 miles wide. So, um, a wide swath of tropical storm force winds and, and a widening swath of hurricane force winds out 70 miles out 70 miles uh, from the center of the storm. And so this is tracking, um, you know, so again, this is tracking to the Northwest and then it gets weird. Um, Hurricane center has this taking a bit of a Southwest jog, um, and eventually crossing over the grand strand and then, um, uh, and then dissipating over South Carolina and North Carolina, uh, later on, on Monday or not dissipating, but, you know, turning into a remnant low. Now what's interesting here is that, it's going to slow down. I mean, again, we've been talking about this for a couple nights now. It's going to slow down right around um, Wilmington. Maybe make landfall, maybe not. It's hard to say. And then just slide down. So the models have been very consistent with this over the last couple of days. It's actually the one thing that they agree on. The first, thing, the first time they agree on anything. 
Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it, it's going to, it's still very uncertain. I'll tell you what, it's still very uncertain, uh, beyond the next, uh, two days or so running up to about Friday. We have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. And then it just, just blows out and Shay will talk about that. Um, when he discusses the models, Scotty back to you. All right. Thank you for that, Jared. Uh, I think we got Shay back. So Shay, uh, let's quickly go through what uh, the latest um, suite of, of model data has shown us and uh, what, are, what, if any, of, of the big changes have we seen today? Okay, Scotty, yeah, it uh, looks like we got Bill Walsh that hopped on with us. So thanks a lot, Bill, for coming back. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have you on here in just a second. I definitely want to take a look at the ensembles. Uh, still showing the same kind of scenario. It looks a little uh, mashed here in the Euro, uh, but the, the bottom line is that uh, there's a lot of agreement that the storm is going to slow down the coastline and then ease, like, very slowly ease down to the south and to the west. Uh, the GFS also in agreement with this as well. If we can get this a little bit more normalized out to 120 hours at the, on the Euro model, and we see a lot of outliers actually keeping this off the coastline. So that is also a possibility. Uh, we can't disclude that just yet. If we look at the UCMET, latest UCMET guidance on this, and uh, we will see, let's pull this over here. And uh, we see guidance from this model as well. So we look at ensembles for a lot of this because there's many more members involved and there's many more uh, opinions about what's going to happen with the system. So uh, th these are all things that we watch. One of the one of the models that's really starting to come into play now is the NAM3. And this is kind of a powerful tool as long as you know how to use it. This is just deterministic run, uh, the NAM3. And we get out to 60 hours now. Uh, and then we see the storm. It's in agreement with those. It actually makes a possible landfall over the Cape Fear area and then heads down the Grand Strand, basically following the coastline and, and cuts inland a little bit. So uh, this is going to present a lot of problems for the coastal portion of South Carolina, and not, not to mention the dis highly destructive winds and damage that's going to occur in eastern North Carolina. It's also going to start heading down towards Georgia. So the Georgia governor did issue a state of emergency today in anticipation of having some issues with uh, the hurricane. By the time it makes it down there, likely a tropical storm. But uh, one of the main reasons, and a lot of folks are, are asking, what's causing this, uh, you know, downward uh, sort of um, move? Well, it's the ridge to the north, basically. There was supposed to be a ridge to the east of this that was going to be pushing it up inland and to the north. But uh, now we're seeing this ridge amplify to the north and pushing it down to the south. So, Scotty, um, yeah, I'm starting to get some echo on mine again, but I'll go ahead and sign off with that and uh, the modeling. And uh, like Jared said, with the track, Things are still a little bit uncertain as it gets close to the coastline, but we're looking at more of a southerly and westerly track eventually that's going to cause more problems further inland with heavy rainfalls and flooding. Back to you, Scotty. All right. Thank you for that, Shay. I do want to say uh, we have a few guests on with us tonight. We have uh, Chief Meteorologist Jason Boyer from the WLOS in Asheville, North Carolina. We also have uh, Chief Meteorologist Bill Washon from it from News 5 in Charleston, South Carolina. And I first want to bring in Ashley because I know she's not the weather guru of everything, but uh, we did want to bring Ashley in. She is actually an insurance broker for Lake Marion Insurance Agency in Manning, South Carolina. And uh, we wanted to bring Ashley on for a few moments to have her kind of explain to you what you need to do to get prepared as Florence moves into the area uh, with, with all your insurance claims possibly, and then what to do after uh, the storm moves uh, out of the area. So Ashley, first of all, thank you for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you giving us a, a few minutes of your time. And uh, our, our first question to you is, 
uh, as folks are preparing and, and preparing their homes and and uh, maybe vacation homes, stuff like that, what should folks do uh, to get ready on the insurance side of things? Well, of course, the most important thing is having your insurance in place, which if you don't already, you won't now. <laughs> um, as far as your coverage, each policy is different. I will preface anything we discussed by saying that just because um, different carriers write different coverages and different forms um, are not the same for everyone. That said, um, most importantly, just keep your policies handy. Um, if you have a copy, great. Um, any insurance agency at this point should have at least a contact list for you that you can reach your companies directly for claims processing when the storms pass. Um, most importantly, if you do have any damage to your home throughout the storm, um, a thing that's left off of a lot of checklists are tarps. If you don't have tarps, go and get tarps. If you have any damage, it's, you really need to be sure that you're proactive in covering it up um, and doing the best that you can until contractors are able to see it and an adjuster is able to come out. And so, actually, we're actually talking a little bit before we went on the air. There's different ways about water. Uh, if water comes in one way to your house, you may need a certain insurance coverage. Or if water comes in a different way, uh, you you need it that way. So, can you explain a little bit of that for us, please? Sure. So, a large portion of our state, outside of our coastal counties, most homeowners are not required to carry flood insurance. Um, I am a broker and don't have flood insurance, so y'all, <laughs> let's all pray that we don't need it. Um, that said, if a tree falls on your home and you do have homeowner's insurance, you should not have a coverage problem if your home is flooded from the, the rain coming from the sky down. Flood insurance would be necessary when the rain comes from the ground up. That's some great information there. And, and so, Ashley... Uh, as the storm's going on, I'm sure people, um, if they receive damage maybe to their homes or cars or something like that, should they document it then or should they wait till after the storm passes? Um, so obviously, like I previously said, cover as best as you can um, to avoid further damages and definitely take photos if you're able. Don't do anything that's going to put you um, in harm's way, though. An insurance company doesn't expect that, nor would they have that desire. Um, but obviously do what's capable within reason. Awesome. Very. And so once um, Florence moves out of the area, uh, we, we expect to see a lot of damage along along the, the Carolina coastline and potentially even uh, through the Piedmont areas of North and South Carolina and eventually into the mountains. What should folks do once they get back home? What's that process like if, if, if they experience damage? The most important part of that process is patience. I can assure you um, the claims that will be coming in, there, there are adjusters coming from the entire country, just as there are linemen coming to restore power. Um, actively right now, there are, are adjusters coming into town and putting their feet on the ground so that it's not just you're speaking with someone on a 1-800 number. Um, I would not at all be surprised to see tents set up in grocery store parking lots or Walmart parking lots for the major carriers um, in the area to have adjusters here in person. I'm not stating that they are there, um, but I would not be surprised to see it. All right, Ashley. Well, we'll uh, one last question. Is there anything else, any more kind of like final words that you'd like to give our, our listeners and followers tonight uh, as the storm approaches? All that I would say is if you have been 
ordered to evacuate, don't stay, go, <laughs> um, and stay safe. All right, Ashley, we appreciate that. And uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Maybe we can thank get you back on. Maybe we can get you back on our show and kind of talk about weather and insurance and how, how the two industries go hand in hand. But again, uh, thank you for your, uh, for your time this evening. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate everything y'all are doing as well. Thank you, Ashley. We appreciate all right. that. Uh, all right. So uh, there's some useful information for you uh, if you do find yourself in the uh, path of Florence and especially if you have damage. We know that we had some video issues uh, as we were logging in, we finally have got those fixed. So I'm going to quickly toss it back to Jared uh, so he can uh, go over the eight o'clock update. We'll toss it back to, to Shay and then we're going to bring in Jason and Bill because I know they have other responsibilities uh, at the station to get to. So J uh, Jared, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we'll make this quick, friends. All right. So again, the uh, eight o'clock advisory from the National Hurricane Center. Let me get my screen share up. I was... Uh, blowing through that real quick. So again, we've got a, uh, we've got a storm. That's not, you know, it's uh, not the, maybe, you know, not the scariest thing, but it's still pretty scary. It's a 115 mile an hour category three hurricane moving Northwest at 16 miles an hour. I think we got a pretty good handle on at least the movement over the next day or two um, as this heads Northwest towards the, the North Carolina coast. And then it gets weird. Um, it, the models have a southwest turn. Shay's going to talk about that in a second. Um, Hurricane Center is kind of following suit on that a little bit, maybe with not the sharpest southwest turn, but it does bring it, uh, slows it down. So 2 a.m. Friday and 2 p.m. Friday, you'll notice on the graphic here, they're really not that far apart. Um, you know, there's there's not a not much of a delta there, so that's going to be a, a lashing for uh, southeast uh, North Carolina uh, over the next uh, uh, several uh you know, over the next uh, hour, you know, 12, 24 hours there um, after today. So that's going to lash up there. And then uh, then it's going to slowly drift southwest. And, and the key is land interaction, maybe some upwelling should weaken this storm to a, a cat one, cat two uh, as it gets near Myrtle Beach. And then and then the center is going to drift uh, inland, maybe pick up a little bit more speed before becoming a remnant low on Monday. Um Rainfall totals, uh, certainly uh, increasing for our part of the Carolinas here in Charleston, um, and certainly um, a, a major concern for a significant storm surge, prolonged storm surge, and um, uh, in southeast North Carolina and parts of the Grand Strand, possibly. So, so that's where we're at. Not much change. Uh, starting to feel pretty good about this. There's still a couple scenarios again that are are iffier for South Carolina as far as uh, hurricane strength, but uh, still going to be a pretty hard hit. Uh, for Southeast North Carolina and, and, and parts of the outer banks. So again, got those evacuation orders out. Please make sure that if you are in one of those areas that you are uh, getting to safety because it's, uh, it's decidedly not safe. Scotty. All right. Thank you for that, Jared. And uh, I guess a little good news tonight is to see a little bit of a weakening phase of Florence, but as you and Shay, I'm sure about to talk about, uh, we could see uh, it re-strengthen as it goes over the Gulf Stream. So, Shay, I'll uh, give it to you, and then we'll uh, toss it off to Jason and Bill so they can kind of give us an update on what their thoughts are and, and about their particular areas. Okay, Scotty, thank you very much. Uh, Jared brought up a really good point about uh, upwelling, and uh, I'm going to show this. This is our Datascope Storm Track Viewer with all of our weather stations, our coastal mesonet uh, visible here. This is also available on our wind track. I'm sorry, storm track here in wind alert, windalert.com slash storm slash Florence for anyone that wants to see this. 
Uh, basically, what we have is we have a Category 3 storm heading towards the coastline. And then when we have this continental shelf, we also have this other topographical feature that you can see closer to the coastline called the Florida Hatteras Slope. There's the Charleston bump out there as well. What it is is the storm rolls up onto the shelf and all of the swell that, that is generated by this storm. We saw 59 to 83 foot swells in the northeast quadrant recorded today from the hurricane hunters and some of the tropical analysis from NHC. And what you get is a large amount of water moving into the coastline, cool water underneath coming up the shelf and flushing under into the top of the water. And so what you end up with is that a storm that um, tends to weaken itself because it draws those cold waters up the shelf underneath it. And that cuts off its warm water source at the surface. Uh, we're also seeing a little bit of uh, upper shear on that and some dry air to the south side of the eye right now. Uh, and that's going to have some factors as well. But they, they did specifically state in the NHC that there is a, a possibility we still have a 24-hour window for this to move over the Gulf Stream, which is the warmer waters. Uh, the Gulf Stream is typically around 84 to 88 degrees, somewhere in that vicinity. And the sea surface temperatures around it are about that, too. So uh, we normally we have this nice warm body of water that it's heading towards. And that may spark a little bit of convective feed from underneath. Uh, and, and give it one more shot, but uh, that thermohaline kernel on top may be affected by the cool water upwelling as well. So we have to keep an eye on that. But you can see above this, these northeast winds, and uh, this is what's called a northeast wedge. We're kicking up 23 to 20, 28 miles per hour. Some of this is from the outwards gradient from Florence building in between that and the high pressure to the north. And so this is what is believed, this surface feature where these winds, it's, it's maybe a little higher up in the atmosphere, maybe 850 millibars, down to the surface, we're seeing this wedge building. And this is what is believed is gonna be pushing the storm a little further to the south. So it's ridging, the ridging process alone, but also an accelerated gradient that the storm is producing between the high pressure that is also uh, pushing itself mainly with that gradient down to the south into South Carolina. So a lot of physics involved. And uh, so I'll, I'm gonna pass it back to you, but uh, we're gonna be watching this one very closely. The Euro keeps this just off the shore for a lot of intents and purposes and then draws it down the coastline. This thing could be feeding off the Atlantic for several days. We're looking at uh, super intense rainfalls. I mean, this is no joke. These rainfall amounts are, are no joke. Um, they did mention 20 to 30 inches with isolated areas of 40 inches, and, and that could even go higher. And these rainfall amounts are pushing far upland into South Carolina and down towards Georgia. So Charleston, even us down here, we're not safe. We could see excess of 10 inches, maybe a foot of rain in our area when it's all said and done as the storm slowly moves off to the south and to the west. So um, a lot, lots to consider here. Lots of uh, flooding damage, catastrophic uh, destruction from rainfalls, high winds, and uh, storm surge. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but I'm going to pass it back to you, Sky, and introduce our guest. Um, all right. Thank you, Shay. Oh, um, excuse me. I was about to, to cough there, choke or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to bring in Jason Boyer. He is a chief meteorologist at uh, WLOS in Asheville, North Carolina. And Jason, uh, as you come in, we've been watching this track. And uh, a couple of days ago, Western North Carolina was like, oh, we don't know what we're going to see. But yep. over the past couple of days, uh, the game's really changed for, for us here in Western North Carolina. Yeah, it really has. And hopefully you can hear me. I think everything's set up correct. And yes, we got good. you. Okay, good. Yeah, we, um, we were skeptical at first that we're going to get much at all. And then as the track turned, we started getting very concerned that we were going to get a lot more rain. And even at this point, there's so much uncertainty, as you guys have addressed already, in terms of the track and intensity, if it does interact with more land or does it stay over open water. Um, so we're addressing those issues. But as the track does come west, obviously, the further west it goes and the further southwest it goes, 
of, say, Wilmington, we're going to see a significant amount of rain and then a turn to the north and northwest eventually uh, happening. So, you know, when you throw in the mountains, it, it messes everything up sometimes and it enhances the rainfall amounts. So I think it's very difficult for me to say exactly what kind of rain we're going to see, but I'm leaning towards the possibilities of um, at least moderate flooding at this point. Uh, we've had such a wet year, we're running almost 20 inches above average. The only wetter year was 2013 here in Asheville. Uh, so it's extremely wet uh, this this year. And even though we've had a little bit of a break the last couple of weeks, the ground is still pretty wet. So wind on top of that rain, obviously we're talking about the possibility of trees coming down, power outages. I am not banking on the wind being a significant factor at this point just because it's going to have so much frictional force to deal with and it's going to interact with a lot of land and it's slower system. So I'm not concerned about the damaging winds being extensive here, but I am certainly going to think that we're going to see some damage nonetheless and thus power outages. And you got power out, you got people uh, flooding, that's not a good situation. So we're concerned. Um, a lot of people trying to compare this to 2004 with Ivan and Francis here locally they are. And I try to tell them, you know, those are much different scenarios. Uh, they came from the Gulf. They were two separate systems. Um, so it's hard to compare those two at this point. Definitely so, Jason. And as you were talking, um, we, we've we had a very wet summer here in Western North Carolina. Another thing that uh, I think our attention will probably turn to in the next few days with all this rain is the chance of landslides and mudslides and debris flows. Uh, I know you in Asheville, uh, you guys, as well as us here in the foothills, back in late May when Alberta moved through, experienced a lot of landslides. So uh, is that a concern that you're seeing as well? Yeah, certainly so. Those are those are tricky beasts, you know, and to, to figure out exactly where they're going to occur. I don't think, you know, there is a real accurate way to do it at this point, but we do have mapping. And I talked to some folks at uh, UNCA before when we had the National Weather Service in town for a seminar. Um, we talked a little bit about um, mudslides, debris flows, and some of the slopes that are more prone to that. And especially when you're talking a southeasterly fetch coming into the Blue Ridge and Scarpment um, and some of the southern foothills, you're going to see possibly incredible amounts of rain if this system takes two days to move out of our areas. So those areas will be favored for more of the mudslides. Again, it, it favors Polk County, Rutherford County, those same areas that had mud slides in may may very well have some again um and so that that's the concern at this point a lot of people on edge because of those definitely so and i know you got to get back but another question uh mm -hmm. the track that is taken uh we also kind of have to introduce maybe the smallest chance of, of a to isolated tornado uh yeah. with the storm track yeah we do and you know here in the mountains many folks don't don't hear that word tornado often obviously the upstate would have more of a favored scenario if you will to get some of those spin-ups those quick spin-ups very isolated uh areas that we could be concerned with i um i certainly think that we'll introduce that into the forecast here in the next 24 hours or more but you know very track dependent obviously if we're on the northeast side of the storm that's going to increase our chance at least of having the chance of some isolated storms that could produce tornadoes um but yeah that's a concern i think more so it's just south and east of us into the upstate and piedmont um, typically that's where you're going to find more of that act activity take place in any given situation. So Jason, I've got, I've got one quick question for you. And, um, this, this has to do with 
dynamics. And, and when you get a tropical system like this forcing easterly flow up the mountains uh, from the Atlantic up uphill, uh, do you get what kind of orographic lifting do you get? What sort of atmospheric uh, additional atmospheric moisture do you get? Are there microscale events that actually drop more rain than what is anticipated? Absolutely, absolutely spot on. You know, with the Eastern Continental Divide that lines up from the southwest to the northeast, if you're going in that from that direction across our foothill communities, that uh, favors Henderson County, Rutherford County, Polk County, and McDowell County for some very significant rainfall from a scenario like this. So, um, determining what profile the wind direction is going to be from and how long that profile will stay uh, in a certain direction is a very key component to, to determining how much rain could fall. But there is a couple of locations, there are a couple of locations east of here and not far from Asheville, like Black Mountain, down Highway 9, goes south towards um, the uh, southern part of, uh, southeastern part of Buncombe County into Polk County, where such microclimate driven rains have more than quadrupled amounts there compared to maybe five or six miles down the road. It's just extremely different. And I've noticed this a lot of times when I go to the Coco Ross data and we have a rain event and I look at it and I see a couple locations in that part of the uh, county of Buncombe County and um, also in Polk County and they have just such extremely different amounts of rain. So it's very, very isolated, but also microclimate driven. It's, it's extremely, yeah. yeah. It's I'm just seeing, I'm seeing, you know, a possible connection, maybe a distant connection from the Gulf now with the trough digging down. And I'm just thinking, you know, the timing of all this coming together, the mountains could see well over what is forecast. I'm a little concerned about that because uh, the atmospheric river aloft could make the connection. And um, yeah, so this, this, uh, you know, I've, I've been telling people for days, don't go to the mountains. Uh, yeah. Get out of the, get out of the cone. Go away from the cone. Yeah, that's that's a tricky part. A lot of people have uh, see, sought refuge here in Western North Carolina, uh, family and friends even farther west. But, you know, you, you, you want them to be safe, but then they come here and we, we talk about the flooding and then they get worried about the flooding. So, yeah, get out of the cone is the best advice at this point. That's your better choice. Well, Jason, uh, last question. We'll let you go because I know you got to get back to building graphics and stuff. Uh, tonight at the 11 o'clock news, when you when you speak to your folks in Western North Carolina, upstate South Carolina, what's your message to them? My message will be pretty much the same as it's been since Monday is be prepared, not scared at this point. Um, certainly prepare for potential significant flooding and potential wind damage and power outages be prepared for several days of power outages because a lot of the resources that would be here are going to be farther east uh displaced out towards the coast to help those folks restore power and, and that limits the resources here so it, it causes more of a concern about how long some of these power outages might go also if you live in a flood prone area certainly have your precautions um, put in play, uh, sandbags might be useful, um, you know, clean out the gutters and the downspouts. And if you know of a place that typically floods a culvert or a small creek or stream, be prepared to move to higher ground quickly and, and get away from the water. That's the idea. And I even emphasize that some places that don't typically flood in heavy rain events might flood this time. There's no guarantee you're not going to get flooding just because I didn't get flooding in Ivan or vice versa. All right, Jason, we thank you very much for uh, coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, 
Uh, we, we wish you the best of luck over the next few days. I know it's going to be busy for you and, and everyone else here in the Carolinas. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Scotty, for having me on. Stay yes, safe. Sir. Yes, you too. Have a good night. All right, that's Jason Boyer from WLOS. And uh, now I want to transition to Bill Wash. He is uh, Chief Meteorologist at News 5 in Charleston, South Carolina. Bill, uh, we appreciate you joining us again tonight. Hey, glad to, glad to be here. I, I just had to jump off for a minute. Um, I, uh, ironically, I was on with the BBC. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's bizarre, you know, and, uh, you know, you get a lot of folks around the world. Actually, tomorrow morning, um, I'm doing something for ABC, uh, the uh, Australian television network. So there, there's a lot of people calling and they've got a lot of interest around the world on, uh, on Florence. We're going to call Bill the international man. That's pretty hey, cool. I'm telling you, yeah, <laughs> uh, Rob, Rob Fowler was with BBC yesterday too, I believe. He's They're, they're making the rounds here, guys. I guess, yeah. You know, this, somebody gave him our phone number. <laughs> <laughs> well, give him mine while you're at it, Bill. Absolutely. Absolutely. You should call him. <laughs> Well, well, Bill, uh, we've had another day of model uh, data that's come in. Uh, what, what's your latest <clears throat> thinking for you, you and uh, the folks there in the Low Country? Well, you know, it is. It's um, it's really interesting to see uh, that you know how they're performing. Um, I think we, we're we're getting better. Uh, I think our confidence, our model confidence, or at least our forecast confidence, is out to moderate. I guess at this point, uh, especially when we're looking at the storm. Uh, kind of making a beeline there toward the North Carolina Outer Bank, uh, sorry, Southeast North Carolina, and uh, along the uh, the coast there near the uh, uh, South Carolina border. The You know, the thing that, and when you look at the storm, I mean, there's been a little upper low to the west of it, and uh, it's in training. It looks like it's in training some, some dry air, so the pressure's up about like 956 now. So, you know, once it gets, once that upper low retrogrades a little bit, I think, you know, we might actually see that you know, you see the bottom of the storm right there, clearly, um, with that dry air entrainment. And there's that upper low to the west of it. So once that starts to back away, retrogrades, and the storm moves more northwest, we might see um, maybe a little bit of a pressure drop into tomorrow, especially over warm water. Uh, but uh, bottom line, once it makes, uh, once it comes on up and toward the North Carolina coast, you know, the, 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 the question being, you know, is the Euro the better solution coming you know, all the way down the coast and then coming inland. Or uh, I think the Hurricane Center's got a great uh, handle on it so far. And, you know, kind of shifting it southwest. Uh, again, and you've got the ridge to the west of it um, trying to build, uh, you know, and that's going to, you know, forcing it more south or even southwest um, and then eventually getting picked up. Uh, so, you know, the, you look at the size of this. I mean, you look at the Trop Storm winds now are, what, 195, I think they're out. And, uh that is an enormous circulation, uh, and I think the entire coast. Some everybody is going to feel something from this storm. I guess is what I'm saying. So we've got to get people ready for prolonged storm surge event north and east of the center, particularly southeast North Carolina and up into the Outer Banks, and um, and then a prolonged rain event uh, as the storm winds down into the Carolinas, both Carolinas. Uh, and you look into the, the the access of that heavy, heavy rain, and we're still looking at 20, 25 inches on some of the model runs, even more, uh, you know, in, into wherever that sweet spot's going to be. And it looks like it's going to be, in particular, north, you know, in the northern semicircle of the circulation. Um, uh, but the whole, you know, you can't forget everybody to the south of that, too, as far as, you know, strong winds and stuff. Um, and what's different with this one than, than and I was mentioning this last night, I think, with, you know, Matthew came up from the south and kept going. 
Uh, Irma, same thing, came up the west coast of Florida. This one is just so cut off, uh, you know, from the steering currents, uh, almost like a cutoff load just spinning around out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just, we're just going to have to watch, you know, really each model run for these little specific pieces that are coming into play uh, upstream that are going to help. Okay. Um, I think Bill was, yeah, talking about uh, upstream. Uh, we also considering storm surge, and uh, I was just showing this a second ago. This is a peace surge map uh, for uh, what's going on with some of the heights. I mean, we're looking at 13 to 15 feet. Typically, uh, what we see from a Category 3 hurricane is 9 to 12 feet. Category 4 goes 13 to 18 feet. And, and so if they're projecting this to remain as a Category 3 as it makes it into the coastline, uh, we are looking at that 9 to 12 foot range, but we could get some higher surging in some of these areas of Southeast North Carolina. Uh, you know, I look at the uh, ET surge map. This is one level of guidance guided by the GFS mainly. And um, some of these folks are looking at, uh, you, you know, you're looking at higher than normal tides here. I'm not, I'm not sure if this is going to end up verifying or not. Uh, but I know these numbers were, were drastically different. We can see here Myrtle Beach with the negative surge by a foot and a half for some folks, even at low tide, even at high tide, you're still underneath the high tide. So lots to consider here. Uh, if you're to the south of the storm, you're better off with the offshore winds helping keep the storm surge down. I think Charleston, we may see a maybe a one to two foot. Bill, I'm not sure if you were seeing that too. I think that yeah. most of the maps show about a one foot inundation with tidal. And most, yep. some of that's perigean spring tide related, but we may see about two feet by, by the end of it all. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that, especially for offshore as far as wind field. Uh, you know, you're looking at probably, uh, and I was looking at some of the the, the modeling earlier, um, and again, one foot, maybe two uh, in some of the areas, which is completely different from even Irma last year. We had much, much more water in, inundation with Irma. Um, we had some of the record high, uh, you know, numbers in the Charleston Harbor. So, you know, as long as the, you know, as long as you're south of that, that core, that circulation with those offshore winds. Uh, and you're right with the end of the perigean tides here, we're, we're going to have, you know, we normally have a high tide, you know, when you add this to it, um, it will be interesting to see how that, you know, how, you know, just, just some variances in the, in, in, in the heading of the winds, you know, in, in which, you know, a little bit of a veer, uh, you know, left or right can certainly change, especially as the, the you know the coastline is southwest and northeast and you've got a lot of these tributaries a lot of these rivers that run in different directions so really you know which which way the wind is coming from is very critical to to the surge bill we i have a question for you um one of our viewers watching right now trina coven uh she wants to know from you um what is the difference she she's kind of worried with the storm she she's heard it's kind of like hugo kind of night uh, so she's want to know, uh, is this going to be anything like Hugo? What's the difference between Florence and Hugo? Well, you know, Hugo was a little further south, um, and it was it was coming up more from the south to the northwest. It was also a much more progressive storm. It was moving through at about 25 miles an hour at about a 19 nautical mile eye. So, and and the, the storm surge north and east of Hugo was 22 feet in McClellanville, about 11 to 12 feet in downtown Charleston. But because of the forward motion of that storm, it was that storm surge was being pushed out uh, ahead of it uh, and also pushed out further because of the forward motion uh, of the storm. So um, th there's a, there's quite a difference. And I always tell people, 
Uh, every storm is different. Even the, the tracks might look similar. You know, if you're looking at different storms, this one is way out there. This this track is completely different. But you know, but when you look at Hugo itself, um, Hugo made a almost perpendicular approach to the coast. This one, looking at the current hurricane center forecast, is coming in from the completely opposite direction, uh, which is very very rare. And then we'll start to uh, turn west and eventually recurve. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a quite a bit of differences. And this will be a weaker storm when it gets toward the coast. Hugo moved across the Gulf Stream waters, and it went from a Cat 2 to a Cat 4 from the 5 a.m. advisory to the 5 p.m. advisory, and it just uh, rapidly intensified across the Gulf Stream. So another question that I'm, be I'm being asked, Bill, a lot today, and a lot of folks are trying to draw the line, you know, some sort of... Um, Similarity between the October 2015 floods and this system, and what's is this system has potential to to drop more? I know the similarities aren't there because uh, one was a pseudo tropical system that was sort of involved from Joaquin. Uh, that was a whole different thing, but this is a, a tropical system to sit over the area, and and we saw that with Harvey what happened there. Uh, so we're looking at you know isolated areas of 40 inches for what the NHC is calling for. What about for Folks down to the south for Charleston, I mean, are we looking at something similar between here and Columbia? You know, it's going to be really dependent upon the center of that storm, really. And uh, so, you know, if the center comes further south and then goes west, sure, you could certainly be talking about 2015 type numbers, 20, 22 inches or higher. I mean, Harvey was 60 plus it was 60, what, 60 or 61 uh, in Texas. But that was, uh, you know, that was, again, a stall storm. It really will depend on the center. The current track would probably put uh, more like maybe eight, seven or eight inches in, in southern or in central South Carolina. But you just go north of that up into Berkeley County, Williamsburg County, Georgetown County, and you could start to see 15 to 20 inches. So it really is going to depend upon where the center of the storm is. But the potential really is there. Okay, guys, any, anyone else have any other questions for Bill? I know we don't want to keep him too long here. I know he's, he's busy like the, the rest of us are here. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna try to – I was going to give Bill the same question I gave Jason. So, Bill, I'm not sure if you're working tonight, uh, but uh, oh, what I is – Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, what is going to be your message tonight at 11 o'clock when, when you do the news tonight? Uh, what, what are you going to be telling uh, the, the folks who tune in tonight? Well, we're telling them if they're in an evacuation area, they need to get out of that area. Uh, we're also going to tell them not to be focused on that line uh, and that, you know, the atmosphere is fluid. So some, you know, we might see variations in this track and also to be prepared for a long duration event, not just a couple of hours, but a long duration event and for widespread power outages as well, because this kind of event will take down a lot of trees because in particular the duration and the amount of rainfall. So those are, you know, those are the key messages tonight. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what we uh, see where we're, you know, watching with the next run uh, and into the overnight and then tomorrow with some of the modeling. All right. Well, Bill, we really appreciate you coming on. I know it's going to be an entirely uh, long weekend for you and uh, your staff there at Channel 5. So we wish you the best. And uh, I'm sure we'll do another one of these and maybe we can uh, grab you back on for a few minutes. But uh, we certainly appreciate uh, you uh, spending some time with us tonight. Oh, my pleasure. We'll see you on the broadcast later tonight. And uh, thanks for all you guys do with the weather community and keeping the community safe. So great information. Thank you so much, Bill. Have a great night. Bye. All right, guys. Well, that's uh, Bill Wash. Uh, very happy to have uh, him join us again uh, tonight. And 
Uh, also happy to have Jason at Boyer and Ashley Frown with us as well. Uh, it's just kind of a unique thing. Uh, we all have our little connections, our little groups, and uh, I can say, uh, probably speaking for Jared and Chris and, and Shay and James and everyone else associated with the show, it's pretty neat to be able to, to pull these people in and just have them uh, give you a little update about what's going on. Well, well, Chris, I've been watching the comments and we've kind of been getting raked over because we haven't covered your area yet. So uh, your folks are really wanting to know what's going to be happening in the Midlands and, and the upstate of South Carolina. So uh, what after uh, looking at the model trends today, uh, what's your latest uh, uh, forecast and advice for your folks? Uh, for my folks, about, about the same. Uh, what, what we've been saying the last few days, you know, is you know, the, the track was uncertain and, and depending upon the track would dictate, you know, the effect that each individual sees that, you know, whatever location they might be in the Midlands PD, upstate, uh, whatever part of South Carolina. You know, I, th I think looking at some of the latest guidance, you know, that, that shows that south uh, that southwesterly uh, turn once it gets to the coast, you know, that's that, just like Bill, uh, Bill said, it's pr pretty concerning, you know, especially to get on the opposite side of the storm and really get into that, you know, that heavy rain shield to where, uh, you know, 16, 20, 25 inches isn't out of the question. And, you know, if, if this thing halfway verifies, like I think it may, uh, you know, 20 to 30 inches is not out of the question at all. And, you know, that's a, that's something that folks need to be aware of and, you know, and really plan for if you, you know, for, for my people around Columbia in 2015 that experienced flooding, uh, with some of the uh, local infrastructure when it was destroyed I mean, due to dam breaks, you know, that, that might be something you need to be thinking about again, just in case it never hurts to be prepared. Uh, you know, going forward, the tornado threat also, uh, you know, depending upon the storm track and storm tracks to our South, uh, definitely the tornado threat is going to be higher uh, with those quick little spin up uh, tight tropical tornadoes. Uh, but the biggest thing is going to be the rainfall. I think that's going to be the, the, the bigger story with Florence, not so much the damaging winds along the coast, as bad as that may be, but it's going to be the widespread catastrophic flooding, uh, river flooding, flash flooding, you name it. All right. Thank you for that, Chris. And uh, we, we see your questions. We're going to get to those in just a second. Still kind of a hard reset here. Uh, you're watching continuing coverage here on the Carolina Weather Group of Hurricane Florence as uh, Florence approaches the uh, North and South Carolina areas. Uh, we also want to thank those who are watching on the Mer Mother Earth Network uh, as they, uh, as you guys are joining us here on our live stream. Uh, as always, we're, we're scrolling through your questions. We're going to get to those. I'm going to toss it to, to Jared here. And uh, Jared, uh, the latest update from the National Hurricane Center came out at 8 o'clock, and it showed a little bit of weakening. Just a little bit, but as Bill said earlier, it may uh, perk back up before it's all over. It's got a little Gulf Stream to go through, so uh, we know what the Gulf Stream can do to these things. So not out of the woods yet, not by a long shot. Satellite satellite is not looking as good, um, but it could come back in. So we just, you know, you just got to watch it. So as of eight o'clock, maximum sustained winds in Florence were 115 miles per hour. That's category three on the Saffir Simpson wind scale. Movement is northwest at 16 miles per hour. It's been maintaining that movement most of the day. Um, and so it's continuing to move off to the northwest. And then uh, the Hurricane Center forecast has this to kind of stall out a little bit uh, around Wilmington. Hard to say if it makes it over land or not. But what's going to happen is that it's going to start kicking up some of that shelf water. That should help to weaken it a little bit. There's, you know, there are some solutions that shear it out a little bit, too. Um, 
not much, but a little bit. And then the the Hurricane Center forecast has this uh, drifting southwest, um, roughly over the Grand Strand, and then drifting over north uh, over South Carolina, rather dumping a lot of rain north and east of the center, doing a, a big prolonged storm surge uh, in the Outer Banks and in Wilmington, and um, and again I, the thing that. Um, you know the, the thing that we want people to s- stress is understand is that this is uh, this is a uh, still kind of an uncertain thing because you know the steering is going to collapse, and so it's very possible that this center could drift a little south. It could drift a little north. Models are doing a much better job. Uh, Shale talk about that a little bit more too, but they're doing a much better job handling on that. So. You know, hopefully we're figuring out what this guy is doing. But uh, anyway, we got hurricane warnings. Hurricane warnings are going right now from uh, South Sandy River to Duck, North Carolina, and the Albemarle and Pamlico Sounds. Hurricane watch still in effect uh, down in my neck of the woods, Edisto Beach to South Sandy River. Tropical storm warning for north of Duck, North Carolina to the North Carolina Virginia border. Tropical storm watch in effect for north of the North Carolina Virginia border to Cape Charles Light, Virginia and the Chesapeake Bay south of New Point Comfort. So there are, um, and, and of course, there's storm surge watches and warnings as well. So storm surge watch from Edisto Beach to north of Duck, um, to South Santee River, north of Duck to the North Carolina-Virginia border, and then from the South Santee River to Duck, North Carolina, there is a storm surge warning that also includes the Albemarle and Pamlico Sounds, including the Noose and Pamlico River. So uh, a, a, again, a lot of hazards here. And uh, we want everybody to just uh, be informed and hope you're, get, hope you're getting ready. Back to you, Scotty. All right. Thank you for that, Jared. We uh, definitely appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to toss it to uh, Shay here. He's going to give us a quick uh, analysis of what's going on right now. Uh, Shay, it seems like, uh, like we were talking about, uh, Florence kind of battling a little bit of dry air right now. Yeah, that's exactly right, Scotty. In fact, I'll pull that up real quick. Uh, and what we have, uh, just what Bill was talking about, we have this upper low right here. Uh, we have a, a, a trough digging down and around this, and when we have we have a, we have a slot of dry air at the upper atmospheric levels uh, pinched in between, and so uh, we're getting some of this. This could be indicative of, of a possible what we call a PV streamer. It's a, it's it's sort of like a, an area of dry air with high. I mean, it's really weak steering, but either way, this dry air slot is moving up into the southern side of the system, which is getting some dry air towards the core, and uh, we've seen the eye close off. If you look at the mimic imagery from this afternoon, we get a better idea of what's going on. We see the concentric band is mainly along the western side of this eye, uh, and we never really get a full this red. Where if we see a red line all the way around, we call it concentric banding around the core, and that's when we get a closed-off eye wall in the inner eye wall. And then sometimes, if we have a really strong system, we get a secondary eye wall. Well, we haven't even seen the secondary, but, but maybe glimpses of it, and we haven't gotten a solid eye wall around the core. Uh, so that's one of the, the things that's been going on with the system is we haven't ever gotten a really tight concentric band around the core uh, to keep its strength. So any little thing like this, any little uh, slot of dry air or upper shear, we can see the cloud tops blowing off to the north and to the northeast. So we have a little bit of upper shear uh, pushing the cloud tops off and limiting its vertical stacking at some points here to the south. So the convection is, is off uh, to the south here. But uh, as Bill said, as this this propagates away from the storm and it heads to the north. It does have a chance about a 24-hour window, according to NHC, to re-strengthen again, especially moving towards the Gulf Stream. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if this thing really can maintain its Category 3 status. NHC does keep it 
uh, as a category three all the way to the coastline. Earlier, it looked like it might have gone down to a two, but now they're saying it looks like it can maintain the strength. So uh, we will see. We'll see about this, Scotty. It's going to be a real close call. Uh, if you want me to talk about storm surge, I can, unless you want me sure, to yeah, do that in a minute. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Uh, storm surge warning. Uh, as Jared said, this will be updated at 11 o'clock tonight, all the way up to Duck, North Carolina. Goes down to the South Santee River and the uh, storm surge watch extended down to Edisto Beach and up to the South Carolina, I'm sorry, North Carolina, Virginia border. Uh, we take a look at inundation maps. Storm inundation here. Uh, we always go with intertidal in the Southeast. It's, you know, if we don't go with that, we're looking at lake waters where it would just fill up. Uh, and so we have to go with inundation with intertidal layer only uh, to look at this. And so a lot of these folks up these rivers and inside the Pimlico Sound, uh, we're looking at six feet plus uh, for a lot of these folks just along the western side. But as we get inland where the heavy rainfall is going and the surge is pushing in, that water is going to get stuck there. And we're looking at nine feet plus above ground level. So, again, in line with that nine to 12 foot surge involved with a category three to the north of the storm. And this is really about driving winds coming in from the east, southeast and southeast into the coastline. Uh, I, I'm not sure. But if the surge is high enough, a lot of these outer islands along the southern chain of the outer banks, uh, places like Cedar Island all the way up to Ocracoke and even over to Hatteras Island, a lot of these may have a lot of coastal breaks there where it just covers up the island completely and you have a free flow of water just pushing into the coastline. I imagine that's going to be happening at least from Hatteras Island down to Cape Lookout. Uh, we may see extensive flooding even over to Emerald Isle and Onslow Bay. These areas probably likely covered in some of these, a lot of these locales at nine feet above ground level. You're going to see a lot of these barrier islands completely covered in, in some sections. And, and then the surge is going to be filling in Jacksonville all the way in uh, near Havelock, even up through New Bern. Uh, you, you know, the, these folks are the most susceptible to the surge. This extends all the way down to Myrtle Beach. Uh, where we have greater than three feet for the initial surge. I do think along the western side of the storm, uh, we'll have a little less surge than what's going to happen along the northern and northeastern quadrant. Uh, we'll get a push from the storm, but the winds are going to be largely offshore at this point. We'll have northerly winds, northwesterly winds. you got to think in terms of counterclockwise motion with, uh, with tropical systems in the northern hemisphere because that's what goes on. The winds go in this direction. So where you have onshore flow, your surge is going to be the greatest. We have offshore flow, it's going to be less. Uh, so you know, even, even Ed Petrowski up there, Myrtle Beach of PDE, they're, they're bracing for a decent surge. If this thing does stay off the coast, if it, say, uh, comes right near Cape Fear and then lingers just offshore, that onshore flow could wrap into Myrtle Beach right near the core, and we could be looking at a, a potential six-foot surge there at that point. But we're, it's, this, this is shifting. Everything is still changing and very fluid with the forecast. So, uh, you know, once again, the answers still have to be, you know, they're still out there for the taking. You just have to wait and be patient. All right. Thank you for that, Shay. Uh, we do want to get to a couple of your questions. There's so many coming in. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, but uh, I do want to get to some of them. Uh, Jordy Johnson, uh, I may give this to you, Jared, because I know it's uh, kind of more your area. Uh, Jordy was wanting to know about the difference between being on Edisto Beach and Edisto Island. Yeah, Edisto. Yeah, that's a, that. That's a that's an interesting question. So Edisto Beach is basically the beach out there. Now, what's interesting is that there's a uh, there's an interesting county line disparity there, uh, and so so a, a, you might recall from a couple of days ago, um, the uh, the evacuation was lifted for all of Calton County, except for 
Edisto Beach, which is part of Colleton County. It's very strange. Um, so, so the beach is just the kind of the tip of the island here. What I'm going to do, let me, um, I'm going to just, I have GR up here. And so what I'm going to do here is I am going to, I'm going to share my screen shortly. I'll turn, turn off the radar data. We're just going to do a little GIS while we're here. So let me, uh, let me share my screen real quick. Everything is starting to go a little slower, ran better when I was running betas. All right, here we go. So. All right, so here's my screen. Here's my radar here. We're going to zoom in on Edisto Beach there. And you, yeah, you've got a little county line thing going on here. There's a little bit. Edisto Beach right here is uh, in Colleton County. Edisto Island is in Charleston County. So it's really a county line thing. There's really not too many other differences. Um, you are, uh, and, and actually getting the, high, the higher resolution in now... And so, yeah, give that a second. But yeah, I mean, that's basically it um, as far as what the, uh, from an evacuation perspective, I presume that's what that question was about. I hope I answered that right. <laughs> I, I guess that was just, that was how it was phrased. Um, Chris, a lot of folks talking about the, the Midlands and then they're mad out. I didn't give you more than two minutes to talk. <laughs> but, it's a lot more than going on here. Uh, Tell us, uh, a lot of folks wanting to know uh, about the uh, the flood threat in Columbia, you know, um, several years, well, not several, I guess a couple of years ago with, with what happened with Joaquin, there was some severe flooding in Columbia. Uh, a lot of folks asking if we could see a similar case. You know, it's, it, it's kind of like what I said earlier. It's, it's definitely not out of the question. It's all going to, uh, you know, de depend on, uh, the exact track of where Florence goes once it uh, you know comes inland or skirts the coast you know going southwest uh, from the North Carolina South Carolina line down toward Charleston, and uh, you know that remains to be seen where, where the best I guess the best certainty will be will you know that's only going you know be known over time another you know, twelve to twenty four hours I, I think obviously we should have an even better idea where it's going to go you know. <clears throat> There's going to be a lot of flooding. There, I, I think we can all agree on that right now that there's going to be a lot of widespread flooding. So it, it's not just going to be for folks in in the Columbia area. Uh, you know, so if some of these models verify it, it's going to be for folks that live between Columbia, Florence, all the way to the beach, all the way down to Charleston, all the way to Myrtle Beach. And so you take the entire eastern half of South Carolina, and also you take the entire southeastern half of North Carolina. Uh, we saw in, uh, I think it was Matthew 2016, uh, the Lumber River Basin from uh, Lumberton South uh, down toward the Conway area. You know, it flooded the town of Nichols and and uh, destroyed almost every single building in the town. And it, it was underwater for a, quite a few days. So I don't think that's out of the question again. I don't want to scare people, but also I think it, it needs to be said that uh, you, know, you need to have a plan in place and be prepared uh, just in case this thing does track in, in, uh, toward you and, and could possibly dump one two feet of rain so that that's kind of how i feel about it uh about the thing jared was just talking about with edisto island you know i, I spent uh, the, the day before hurricane matthew made landfall on edisto island i, I was actually the only person out there uh, uh thanks to some cooperation from uh, their local folks but uh you know that place is so susceptible to storm surge. Uh, I, I still don't walk on my boulevard, like, like the little main strip on Edisto uh, Island. The, like I said, 12 hours, uh, 16 hours before Matthew made landfall, that same place the next morning had over four feet of dirt on it. 
it, it just was like a new beach. And uh, so, no, Edisto Island is pretty concerned for uh, storm surge, especially if, you know, something were to approach. <clears throat> um, Shay, we have a question, and I, I know we're a little bit past 10 o'clock, so we'll, we'll do a couple more. Uh, we've had a few questions about folks asking about what it's going to be like in downtown Charleston. I know Charleston really susceptible of flooding, even with high tides. So uh, obviously with, with Florence looming off the coast, it could be a little bit worse. No, absolutely. That's a, you know, that's a big concern, Peninsular Charleston. And there, there's a lot of things that go on. There's hospitals, MUSC, Roper Hospital. Uh, that was a big concern for Matthew. And even the 2015 flooding was, are folks going to be able to get into downtown? A lot of times they shut Crosstown. And, and it really depends on, you know, uh, several things. Like we're lucky because if, if the winds are strong enough, we have a negative surge and we won't have so much of that saltwater flooding issue that we did during those we don't have onshore flow unless the storm comes down the coast and gives it to us, which is the more unlikely situation. The main thing we have is rains, heavy rains. So we know what Crosstown does. We know what downtown does in heavy rains. And if we're looking at six to 10 inches over a two to three day period, that's not terrible, but there are periods of time it may be so torrential that it'll be flooded out. And we may just be expecting closures at times to be able to get in and out of downtown. Um, it's hard to call that right now, but you know, the more that the models are showing the rainfall, higher amounts pushing to the south, the more we can expect to get possibly more than 10 inches. Uh, this is spread out, like I said, over about a two to three day period, unlike the 2015 flooding, which that was about two feet of rain over the same period of time, roughly. Uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, a little bit less. It's hard to call exactly what it's going to be, but I think six to 10 inches is a, is a good number to go with. Uh, that's a lot of rain. That really is. I mean, it takes what, three or four inches, Jared, to flood downtown all at one time. So if you get immediate downpours, uh, torrential rainfalls in small periods of time throughout this period, systematically over and over, that could be very problematic for downtown over and over again, where it just um, has a hard time recovering each between each period. Back to you, Jared. I think he's, I see something you have up on screen. Yeah. I, well, one thing I wanted to jump into is that I, I've got the uh, Charleston Harbor uh, tied up. We're going back to high tide, probably going to have some tidal flooding. We've had flooding uh, pretty much every high tide for the last couple days. And so uh, ahead of uh, Florence. And so, um, so this has already been a problem. We've seen departures about one foot. Uh, and so we, so this is something that we're contending with now. And um, there may be, there may yet be uh, a little bit of extra water to contend with for the next couple more days uh, before we really start to get this kind of blown out and we get this, uh, we get the storm behind us. I, I know I said I was going to stop the questions, but there's one more question that just came in, and it's an area that we've really not talked much about. And Amanda uh, Peoples, I hope I'm saying that right. Was wanting to know about Hilton Head. What was what's the uh, what could it be like in Hilton Head? Well, uh, I guess I could take Hilton Head. You know, there you guys are just on the outskirts of the Hurricane Watch. Uh, I'm not sure if the NHC is going to extend the Hurricane Watch all the way down the coast of Savannah or a Tropical Storm Warning or what they're going to do. It seems like at some point they're going to have to do something to extend that wind field down because it's rather large. I think Chris is getting ready to put some up on screen to give you an idea of how large the wind field is. And uh, so what I'm thinking for Hilton Head and folks south of Charleston is we're going to see west-northwest flow uh, ramping up over the next few days as the system 
heads, even if it heads, if it heads south, it's going to come up even higher, more so from the northwest. If it heads west more, it's going to come out from more from the westerly direction. Uh, we talk about wind always coming from the from the direction it's blowing. And uh, you may see tropical storm force gusting down to Hilton Head Island. The further south it goes, the stronger that sustained wind is going to be. Uh, I think Charleston definitely, we do have a really good shot at seeing sustained tropical force winds here for an extended period of time. Uh, we could get some hurricane gusts and further down to Hilton Head, depending on the track of the storm, we're looking at tropical storm force. I don't know if they're going to see hurricane force per se. There may be a few gusts in some of those squall lines that really ramp up to 60, 70 miles an hour. Uh, so that's my thinking. And I think the rainfall amounts are going to start totaling up as well. You may be, you guys may be starting to fall into that six to 10 inch rain band by the time we wake up tomorrow. Uh, Chris, did you have a uh, transposition for the uh, outer winds, the 200 yeah, mile wide winds? Yeah, I, uh, just like I did last night, basically took the, the current wind field of, of Florence, uh, threw in the Photoshop, isolated it out just to show the winds, and then just made a couple little graphics here. Let me uh, get it pulled up and share my screen. <clears throat> All right, cool. All right, here we go. So there, there's a current NHC advisory that, uh, that was issued at uh, 8 p.m., and here's the here's what would happen right now if, if Florence was to make landfall, you, it's somewhere around the North Carolina South Carolina line. Uh, you would experience uh, you know hurricane force winds almost all the way to Florence, uh, basically down to Charleston, uh, all the way up through Jacksonville, North Carolina, and almost into the Raleigh Durham area. And then that uh, that also goes uh, so far up to the northwest that that would include the east side of the Charlotte suburbs and, and all and even Greensboro. Uh, Greensboro. I mean, so it's, it's a huge, huge area. And, you know, going through just, like I said, putting this in different positions to show the uncertainties. You know, if it was centered somewhere near Charleston Harbor as a hurricane with the current Winfield, you're looking at uh, three quarters of the state uh, experiencing at least uh, tropical storm force, if not hurricane force winds. And, you know, just to give people a size reference, I, I did that also, just put the center right over Columbia. Of course, it's not going to be that strong when it gets to Columbia. It's probably going to be, uh, you know, a tropical depression or a tropical storm by that point. But, uh, you know, it just goes to show how big this storm is. I mean, the hurricane force winds, you know, if it was centered in downtown Columbia, would it would extend almost to Charleston, Charlotte, Aiken, Augusta, uh, Newberry, uh, almost all the way to Florence again. I mean, it's it's just a, it's a big storm. And, and hopefully this gets uh, folks' attention uh, that even though they might not be in the center of the cone, you're still going to feel the effects of this storm uh, anywhere in South Carolina. I, I feel pretty safe to say that. <clears throat> Definitely. So, well, Chris, we're going to start to uh, kind of transition towards the end of the show. We know you have a busy day tomorrow. Uh, we're kicking you out and uh, we're sending you to the coast. Kind of tell us what, uh, what your details are. Yes. It's, it's, it's kind of the same as we talked about last night. I know last night uh, I was planning on being there tonight, but with the, this slow forward progression at the coast, you know, I felt like if I went down there today, I would just uh, waste a good day and, and, and getting down there with nothing, nothing really going on. So I, I decided to wait, give myself a little bit of rest. Once we get done with this, I, I'm hit, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to sleep. I'm so exhausted, but uh, <laughs> you know, and then uh, first thing in the morning, get up and see what the latest guidance suggests and, and uh, load up and hit the road. Yeah, we're, we're uh, looking forward to your reports as uh, we get you set up in, in the Myrtle Beach area. 
and uh, looking forward to that. I do want to bring in another guy we kicked out. We sent him actually to New York because uh, we have to have very, someone. Very far away. We have to have someone that's able to do something when this hurricane yes. hits us in the Carolinas. James, it's been kind of a busy day for you. You've been affected by Florence, and it's not even got here yet. Yeah, and and I, I know we talked about this the other night, and, and no one's really evacuating from Charlotte per se, but we had some pre-existing family plans that were going to bring us to the state of New York. We did accelerate those plans and left early because we were expecting air travel to get disrupted. So we are now here. And to Scotty's point, uh, if you guys start experiencing power outages or Internet outages, it does give uh, at least one of us uh, outside the Carolinas to continue this coverage throughout the rest of the week into the weekend. It is. So we're happy that you got up there safe and sound with the family. And uh, I know it's been a busy day for you. So we'll we'll come to a close tonight. I do want to let you know. And James, please uh, pipe in because you are a producer. Uh, As we go throughout the weekend, what what can we expect from the Carolina Weather Group? Uh, Yeah, I can take that, Scotty, and then uh, I'll let you guys fill in some of the blanks. But, you know, we've been doing these nightly specials. We're going to continue to do specials. Uh, We've been continuing to live stream uh, news conferences from state officials, local officials. We're also going to look to do even more streaming. So as we get closer to landfall, you can uh, continue to follow us on Facebook youtube uh, periscope uh because we'll have coverage of the actual landfall as well too uh we're toying with the idea of doing some 24-hour programming where you'll have live updates on the storm uh intermingled with some best of clips from our regular wednesday night show if you're new to the carolina weather group we do a show every wednesday night and we've had interviews over the course of the last several years that obviously pertain to hurricanes tropical storms with some big names and so we're going to be sprinkling those on too uh through the rotation so you can uh, get educated and caught up on some of that great material as well uh, thank you for that, James. And then, Shay, you will be doing updates several times a day that will also be streaming on our uh, on our pages uh, if you want to give the, the followers uh, kind of your time schedule for that. Yeah, I made an announcement today. I want to go ahead. I want to ramp up some of the uh, live coverage that I'm doing uh, and, and make those shorter. I think I've been going a little too long, maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And uh, just do a quick brief 10, 15 minutes maybe on the storm itself and the latest information take some questions and then keep them short about 30, 45 minutes at the most, maybe 40 minutes. Uh, and then uh, do those three times per day to give you the latest information. I'll also be posting um, just tidbits of information as the, the 11 a.m. comes out, the 2 p.m., things like that. Uh, I'll try to keep those updated as much as possible. Those come out every three hours. So that presents a lot of work to go into it to get the, the verbiage out there. And uh, so I'll be doing that. And uh, hopefully, I'm not sure if we're going to continue to do the Carolina Weather Group shows every night at 9 o'clock. I'm game for it. I did put it on there that that's a possibility. So if you guys would like to do the 9 o'clocks every night, I'm, I'm up for it as well. We can discuss that after the show if you like or make a decision right now. doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I, um, think we're, so. I think we're pretty set. We'll probably do, uh, we'll do some more updates uh, probably throughout the, at least the weekend. Um, and we'll go from there. So expect us probably around 9 o'clock every night. Uh, to I apologize for stepping on you is that uh, we obviously also uh, have our podcast feed that our regular Wednesday night show is on. So if you get into a situation where you have limited internet or you're running off of limited power and you still want to get the updates from us, you can go audio only and find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Um, podcasts obviously aren't live, but what happens is when we are done with this live show, we turn that audio around. So that's something you can either download or stream and uh, maybe use a little less data if you get into a situation where that's pretty critical for you. Definitely so. So that's some great advice. So uh, we'll post the 11 o'clock advisory here in just a little bit. But besides that, you probably won't see much more 
from us on our social channels, but we'll be back up and going tomorrow. Uh, I'm not sure the press conferences from Governor Roy Cooper or Governor Henry McMaster's, uh, but we will definitely have those streaming once uh, we get word on the times. And uh, also uh, Myrtle Beach, I think we've been streaming coverage from Horry County, uh, Mecklenburg County, uh, and other municipalities that uh, that we get word on and able to uh, get those uh, streams live or streams uh, live to you. So uh, keep following us here. Uh, we want to wish Chris the best of luck as he travels out tomorrow, Chris. Uh, we hope you have a safe trip and uh, get you some rest tonight. We look forward to uh, your live reports uh, in Myrtle Beach tomorrow night. All right. Sounds good, Scotty. I appreciate it. It should be a fun time. And uh, just on a side note, before before we get out of here tonight, I, I want to remind everybody, next Wednesday night, our regular Carolina Weather Group uh, you know, weekly show, we're going to have Rick Smith on from the National Weather Service in, in Oklahoma, out in Norman. And he's going to be talking about storm anxiety. And I know that's something a lot of folks have expressed to me over the last few days, you know, feeling unease, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. You know, do I need to evacuate, you know, and I understand, uh, you know, that's a legitimate thing. And, and he's going to be on next week to, you know, discuss storm anxiety. So uh, just keep that in the back of your mind. Think about it for next week. And that's all I got. Yes, Ooh. definitely. So looking forward to it. Shay? Yeah, Chris, um, if you see Jim Cantori, don't do not do a flying <laughs> knee. Don't do a flying knee at him. He's a ninja. No, nah, probably <laughs> won't. He, yeah, he, he's built. I think I think Bettis is in Myrtle Beach, so your goal is to bring Bettis on the show tomorrow night. <laughs> oh, um, Reed, Reed Timmer's up that way as well. They've got a, a hardcore four by four with like armored windows and all kinds of stuff. I saw a tweet of him. They had gas tanks all over the top. This thing was macked out. So. <laughs> up there. It'll be all interesting right. to see what they come up with. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us tonight, the Carolina Weather Group. Uh, as uh, James said and Chris said, we are on every Wednesday night. Uh, feel free to uh, download our podcast and uh, share the word out to your friends and family. We'll be doing another one of these updates tomorrow night at 9 o'clock, but be watching um, our page, uh, our social stuff tomorrow uh, as we push out news conferences and, and uh, advisories and stuff like that. So for everyone, we hope you have a great night. Get you some rest. We're all going to get some rest. Uh, We've been battling this thing, and we've not even had a storm to battle yet. So uh, we definitely uh, have got to pace ourselves and get some rest, and that's what we tell you. Uh, you folks as well, we hope that you're prepared. If you're in an evacuation zone and you haven't left yet, please, 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 please um, heed advice to your uh, officials and, and head out tomorrow morning. You uh, don't want to be in this. Uh, no need to be in this. So uh, for everyone, for uh, Shay Gibson and Chris Jackson, James Briarton, and Jared Smith, I'm Scotty Powell. We hope you have a great night. We'll see you back here again on the Carolina Weather Group tomorrow night at 9 p.m.